to Maritime AgCast, the podcast dedicated to the farmers and the farm community of the Maritimes. We will discuss all things related to the livestock industry with local, regional and national guests, as well as keep you up to date with current markets and industry events. Atlantic Stockyards Limited has been Atlantic Canada's major livestock market for over 60 years. The stockyards attract buyers regionally as well as extending into central Canada. Livestock auctions occur every Thursday with cattle, sheep, goats, hogs, rabbits and poultry all featured. Additional information such as previous market reports, feeder sale dates and vaccination forms can be found on AtlanticStockyards.com. Today we'll be joined by Jonathan Work to discuss lambing season and how to make sure our lambs survive uh, to weaning and market age. Jonathan is the manager of livestock and field crops at Perennia. With more than 25 years experience as a commercial farmer raising sheep and beef and delivering custom farm services, Jonathan brings practical experience with his current extension responsibilities. As a producer, Jonathan has experience in the importation and marking of livestock genetics. Uh, and we want to thank you, Jonathan, for joining us today to talk about uh, improving our lamb survival and marketability of lambs. Well, thanks, Brad. It's a pleasure to be here. And it's always exciting to talk about, in particular, lambing and, and lamb survival and improving lamb survival. So, Jonathan, uh, you know, the lambing season here in the Maritimes can often be our trickiest time of year uh, as far as weather goes, cold, wet, uh, damp weather. Uh, a major challenge that we've seen over the over time is hypothermia in lambs. So, you know, what can you tell us about, first of all, recognizing hypothermia and how severe it is and, and how we go about uh, helping those lambs survive with some treatments? So you're, you're perfectly correct, Brad. I mean, I, in the previous segment, I talked about how you have to react quickly in, in really cold weather in January and February, March. But we can certainly see hyperthermia at any time of the year. You know, if you get a lamb out on, and she's born on pasture, and even in in the, the late spring, you know, when you get a rainy rainy afternoon and the lamb doesn't get enough uh, colostrum, then definitely its uh, potential for developing hyperthermia is very significant. So, basically, you know, hyperthermia is when we see a lamb that uh, hasn't. Uh, got enough feed or colostrum or milk in it and uh, it doesn't have the energy in, in its system to support and keep it warm and make its body function properly and uh, you know if you've got a lamb that's gone for several hours in cold weather or a couple of days in in warm weather then their body stores and the amount of glucose in their body declines too and once the amount of energy that's available to them in their body is, is depleted, then they can easily become hypothermic and, and that needs to be corrected in order to ensure that they stay alive. So, you know, what do those lambs look like? They might be a, a lamb that's just newly born, that maybe their mother uh, is in poorer body condition for whatever reason and, and the lamb itself has been born, you know, without uh, the adequate body stores. So. Normally when a lamb is born, it'll have you know fat stores in its body that they're intended to get it through that early period of time um, before it gets colostrum into its, into its digestive system. And if those uh, fat stores are limited, then the amount of time that that lamb has to, to get uh, 
enough colostrum and, and energy through the colostrum is, is really limited. And the colder the weather, then, then the worse that, that situation becomes and the more quickly that they can become hypothermic. So typically, you know, lambs that, uh, you know, are born normally and uh, get up and suck, they're fine. And, you know, they'll, they'll dry off. And when you pick them up, they'll have, they'll feel heavy for their weight, right? And you'll, you'll get on, you'll figure that out pretty quickly once you've handled a few lambs. But the lambs that you, we need to worry about are the ones that, for whatever reason, um, they haven't got enough colostrum. And when you, when you pick them up, they actually feel physically light uh, for their size. And they go through kind of a stage where, you know, typically these lambs, you'll see them off by themselves. They might be crying uh, and looking for their mother. They might be trying to get milk, but they don't seem to be successful latching on to their mothers, or maybe their mothers push them away, or maybe they're mismothered and they're trying to get milk from a ewe that isn't isn't their, their correct mother. Um, as they go further into the hypothermic process, they tend to stop crying and, and they'll just kind of hunch their backs up and hold their heads down. And at that point, they're really getting to the point where you need to react quickly. And at any time when you have a lamb that's been born, even for a few minutes, and if you stick at the tip of your finger into its mouth and its mouth feels cold, then you know you've got uh, you need to consider intervening to help the lamb. And really, as we talk about uh, you know treating hypothermia and and uh, or helping them survive, it's critical to actually know what their body temperature is, and that's part of the decision tree process that that you can go through. We have a barn chart that uh, is available, and you can request one that will help you through this process and show you what the protocol is to, to do what we're going to talk about over the next couple of minutes. Uh, but none of that is very effective unless you, you use a, a, a rectal thermometer and take a body temperature of the lamb. Uh, we started on our farm using this protocol probably in the mid-80s. And uh, there was a period of time when we thought we knew exactly what we were doing and we stopped using a, a thermometer. And we realized that uh, we were starting to more lose more lambs again. So it really is critical to, to use the thermometer and, uh, and follow the protocol and, and actually, you know, do what you have to do based on the age of the lamb and, and the body temperature, which, which is more important than it sounds. So, Jonathan, you've discussed how important it is to check the body temperature of a newborn lamb. What are the normal body temperatures of a healthy lamb as well as hypothermic lamb? And what are the immediate steps shepherds should take to treat hypothermic lambs? In terms of determining, you know, body temperature, you take your thermometer and you put some Vaseline or something on it and you actually put it into the rectum of the lamb gently and you hold it and you get an accurate body temperature. And obviously clean the thermometer up afterwards because you don't want to kind of spread the problems between healthy lambs and not healthy lambs. And I'd certainly encourage you to have two thermometers, one for lambing and, and the other one for taking normal body temperatures of sick ewes and lambs. So, so if you've got, uh, you know, normal body temperature is probably 39 to 40 degrees Celsius. You know, if you're, uh, you take a body temperature and it's 37 to 39, you've, you've got a lamb that's mildly uh, hypothermic. 
you know, those lambs will typically be weak. They'll act as if they're depressed. They'll hang their head. You know, they when you pick them up, they'll be light, but they'll probably still be able to stand on their own two feet. And, and maybe they're, although they're not going to be keen to move around, they will walk around a little bit. You know, your first action with those lambs is you're going to get those lambs into a, a sheltered dry area. If they're wet, you're going to try them, dry them up a little bit. If you can get the U in there with them, you want to get the U in and keep the lamb with the, the, the U as much as possible. And, and if she's uh, willing to, to stay with them and look after them and not trample them, then that's fantastic. If you're concerned about the U trampling the lamb, then you maybe want to put her in a separate pen, but right next to the lamb so they can still see each other. But generally, you'll find that the ewes are more than happy to be with the lambs. So those lambs, you're going to stomach tube them, and we'll explain how to do stomach tubing in a second. With uh, 50 mils of colostrum for every kilogram of body weight. So if you've got a, a two kilogram lamb, you're going to need uh, 100 mils of of colostrum for your first feeding. And then over the next 24 hours, you want to get uh, 200 milligrams of milk into them for every kilogram of body weight. And I'd spread that over a minimum of three feedings, but you know the more you can do is the better. Moving forward, you don't want to stomach tube or feed with a bottle any longer than you have to. So what I do with these lambs is, you know, they're in with the, the dam, I'll certainly before I feed them again, I'll try and get them to suck the U. I'll hold the U and, and get the lamb on the udder and try and get it to suck the teat. And it's important also to remember to, to check and make sure that the U actually has milk, right? And if she doesn't, you're going to have to figure out uh, what's going on with the U, but we'll just kind of stick with uh, the lambs. So once the, the lamb's body temperature is up to a normal level and you're sure that it's sucking the U, then you're kind of home free and you can treat them like a normal a normal lamb. Once you're sure that everybody's mother, mothered up and you've done your management uh, practice that you need to, like tagging, then you can put them out with the regular flock. If you have a really small lamb that weighs less than one and a half kilograms or three pounds, there's a very good chance that it won't have the fat reserves that it needs to to start its body and get heat production going. So you're going to have to supplement those lambs regardless of what you do uh, to get them started. You know, you're going to feed them that 50 mils of colostrum per kilogram of body weight, but you probably are also going to want to give them a little bit of 20% dextrose solution um, just to give them some extra extra sugar. Uh, an extra energy. You know, these really small lambs, you, you might find that you're going to make the decision to, to raise that by hand and, and get it away um, just because it's so small and it's going to have a hard time in, in the environment and it may not be able to even reach its mother's udder to, to suck. So you need a, a, a ewe that's a pretty good mother to, uh, to raise a tiny little lamb like that. And Usually those are lambs either from a ewe lamb, that's the first time lammer, or maybe from a large multiple group and it's you know the last lamb that's born. But if you can save it, it's well worth the effort because you know it's more money in the bank at the end of the, the year. Yeah,
upcoming events, the Nova Scotia Cattle Producers and Sheep Producers Association of Nova Scotia have been posting monthly virtual farm tours. Visit nscattle and nssheep.ca and their social media channels to view these monthly releases. There will be a RAM evaluation program Zoom meeting held February 23rd at 12.30 p.m. for anyone looking for more information on the upcoming RAM evaluation at Japan this spring. To register or for more information for the March 5th entry form deadline, please visit nssheep.ca. Also occurring on February 23rd is Canada's Agriculture Day. Stay tuned to industry groups for events happening that day. The Nova Scotia Cattle Producers 16th Annual Meeting will occur in March. Please check nscattle.ca and their social media networks for updates on that meeting. The Nova Scotia Cattle Producers and Maritime Beef Testing Society are hosting Zoom sessions on March 16th and 17th, jointly with Ag Sites, discussing bull selection and understanding bull reports. Please register with Ashley at 902-893-7455 or email office at nscattle.ca. Please note that space is limited for these sessions. There are two upcoming maritime bull sales. The ninth annual Ballamore Farm Thickness Cells Bull Sale will happen on March 20th at the Ballamore Farm Sale Barn beginning at 2 p.m. Additional information such as the link to their online catalog can be found on their Facebook page. The 49th annual Maritime Beef Testing Society Breeding Stock Sale will be held virtually April 3rd. Entries for heifer sale are being accepted until March 1st. For more information on the sale or bulls, such as how to bid virtually or to view bull videos, which will be available on March 12th, please visit maritimebeeftestation.ca. Upcoming feeder sale dates at Atlantic Stockyards are February 18th and March 18th. Please check atlanticstockyards.com for the full sale schedule and other sale information. In programming, please ensure that you're regularly checking the Nova Scotia Programs website for available programs at novascotia.ca forward slash programs. So, Jonathan, the temperature of the lamb has been checked. They're in the pen with the mother yo. They still aren't sucking or getting that needed colostrum. How does the shepherd know when it is time to perform stomach tubing and what steps and equipment are needed? Are there any precautions they should be watching for when doing this? or times when it should not be done? So, okay, we've got uh, lambs that become more hypothermic, so their temperature is less than 37 degrees Celsius. You need to start thinking about how, how old the lamb is. So if the lamb is over five hours old, it's quite likely to be hypoglycemic. In other words, it's starved. The amount of sugar that's left or fat that's left in its body has been depleted to the, to the point that uh, you know it, it's in a critical situation. So you need to think about uh, what you're going to do with this lamb a little bit more carefully. And it's recommended that you don't warm them before you administer colostrum or glucose. And then you need to kind of look at whether or not they have a suckle reflex and they can swallow. So if you have a lamb and you stick the tip of your finger in its mouth, one of the decision factors at this point is, is that lamb trying to suck your finger uh, or does it have a suckle reflex? And if it does, then you can feed it at that point with a, with a tube. You can tube feed it. Uh, if it doesn't have a suckle reflex, it, the likelihood is if you tube feed it, then you're going to run into problems with that lamb. And this is when you'll see lambs drowning because if they can't suck and swallow, if you put 
milk into their stomach, what tends to happen is that they can't keep it in their stomach and it runs back into their throat. And these are lambs that invariably they can't hold their heads up. So they're on the ground and you pick their head up, their head will you know, immediately will go back down to the ground. And what happens is the, the milk runs out of their stomach and it makes its way back up the windpipe and gets inhaled into the lungs and you end up with problems with, with those lambs drowning or at the very least developing pneumonia. So these are the lambs that you're gonna take a more aggressive approach to treating and you're gonna use an interperitoneal injection of dextrose. And then uh, you're gonna warm them up in a warming box before you tube feed them. If you have a, a lamb that's got moderate uh, to severe, severe hyperthermia, like as I said, less than 37 degrees Celsius, and it's it's less than five years old, you know you want to get that lamb into a warm, dry place or into at least out of the weather and the wet. You know you're going to take and put it in a warming box and warm it up until its rectal bud temperature gets up to about 37 degrees or a little higher. And then you're going to administer warm colostrum at the same rate, 50 mils per kilogram of body weight. And then over the next 24 hours, you're going to monitor it, feed it at least three times, and you're going to get that 200 mils per kilogram of body weight into them in terms of uh, milk and colostrum. And you need to follow those lambs pretty carefully and, and watch their body temperature. Um, you're probably going to keep them in some kind of artificial hospital area, whether that's, you know, in your house uh, in a box or in somewhere in your barn in an office where there's you know, artificial heat. A warm I like a warm room rather than uh, heat lamps, mainly because as a volunteer firefighter, I've seen several barns fires that were started with heat lamps. But if you can do it, then, uh, you know, just kind of a warm room in your barn is, is a good way to go. And once you get that body, their body temperature up to 39 degrees C, then then they can be considered out of the woods, so to speak. And you know, if you can get them sucking their their you, uh, their mother, and uh, then they can then go back into the the regular population. Now, you really want to be aggressive in terms of marking these lambs so you can identify them if you're going to put them back with their mothers and let them out in the in the barn uh, on their own. We used to take a, you know, one of those paint sticks or or big crayons, livestock crayons, and put a big mark down their back so you could see them anytime they were in the barn at all, and make sure that they're still doing well because the lamb that you've treated for hypothermia, if it goes back and gets hypothermic again, then it's even harder to bring it back a second time. And typically, you know, the more times you you intervene and you try and revive them, the less likely you are to uh, to to get them to survive. So, you know, you've invested the time into getting them back on their feet. You want to put a little bit extra time in making sure that they they continue to to do well. So you've got those lambs that are thirty less than thirty seven degrees, and and they're more than five hours old, and they're able to swallow. You can probably assume that the, the, the lamb has no fat stores, is, is hyperglycemic. You've got to provide energy to those, those lambs before you warm them. And if you talk to you know, produce sheep producers that have got a lot of experience, I can almost guarantee that they'll be able to tell you a story about a lamb that they tubed, and then it just kind of went into convulsions afterwards. 
And these are these lambs that if you don't get, you know, you don't get some energy into them uh, before you warm them, then for whatever reason, they're physiologically, they go into a convulsion and, and then you, they never seem to survive that afterwards. So these lambs, if you see them in the barn, they'll, they'll be kind of tucked up. They'll be, their backs will be humped up. Their feet will be close together. They're usually not very, uh, they're never active and they typically don't make a, they've, they've gone past the point where they're crying. Those lambs, you need to, uh, to take some pretty aggressive action with them. So you're gonna hear again, same story, you want to get that lamb into a warmer area, get it a, you know, into a dry area. And I really, at this point, actually, I've realized that I haven't talked about the importance of keeping your barn well, well bedded. You need to make sure that your lambing barn has got lots of bedding and that that bedding is dry because that's probably the cheapest uh, and the best medicine that you can have in terms of, you know, ensuring a good lambing. You know, if you're lambing into a good environment with clean bedding, then you're going to have fewer bacteria there and the lambs are going to be more likely to stay warm and, and uh, everybody's going to be happier. So a little bit of straw and the time to spread it is, is probably one of the best investments that you can make. So let's go back to the, the, these lambs that are less than 37 degrees and that they're more than five hours old. They're still able to suck. They have that stuck sucking reflex. You're going to give them some warm colostrum at 50 mils per kilogram of body weight prior to warming them. And uh, once you've done that, you can put them in a, a warming box, which is kind of an artificial environment that uh, you, know, you can look online and, and get an idea of how you might make a warming box. But basically, you're going to have a, a box that you can put the lamb in and uh, blow warm air into it. You want to get the body temperature of the lamb up to 37 degrees C. Make sure you don't overheat them because uh, heat stress is probably as bad as cold stress. You know, it's important to keep an eye on these lambs while you're warming them so you don't get them too warm. Basically, from there on, you're going to continue to monitor the body temperature and feed them the 50 mils per kilogram of body weight. Once the, this lamb is up to 37 degrees, you want to feed it again immediately because you want to make sure that there's adequate milk supplies. And, and enough energy to keep it going. So then over the next 24 hours, you're going to follow the same procedures you have previously with it, with any of the other lambs, which is, you know, 250 mils per kilogram of body weight over the 24-hour the period, you know, split up in a minimum of three feedings. You know, once you get these lambs up to 37 degrees and, and hopefully you can get them sucking the ewe, my experience is, you know, you got a lamb that's like over five hours old. It's got hypoglycemic. It's really hard to get it back on the ewe, but every once in a while you'd be successful. And obviously every lamb that you can raise from a ewe rather than having to use artificial milk replacer is probably more profitable for you. So it's worth the effort. But, you know, you really need to be cognizant of the fact that you got to watch those lambs carefully and, and going back to marking them. So when you put them out with the U, you can quickly tell if there's a problem because if you don't, I can almost guarantee that you'll go into the barn and you'll find that lamb curled up in the corner somewhere, either dead or hypothermic again. As I said previously, it's virtually impossible to bring them back a second time from my experience.
Here's the market report for the week ended February 12th, 2021, brought to you by Atlantic Stockyards Limited, which has been Atlantic Canada's primary auction mark for more than 60 years. In the local hog market, base price in Nova Scotia was $1.68 and 8 cents per kilogram, up 5.8 cents from last week. In Ontario, base price was also up 5.8 cents from last week to $1.59 and 7 cents per kilogram. In the Quebec market, base price was $1.75 per kilogram, up 3.5 cents from last week. On the cattle side, fed cattle price at Atlantic Beef Products was $2.29 on the rail, flat from last week. In Ontario, live steers sold for $1.36, moving up two cents from last week. And in Quebec, rail price was $2.35, up one cent from last week. Cull cattle at Atlantic Stockyards sold for $0.68, cents, an upward change of four cents from last week, while rail price at Atlantic Beef Products was $1.26, up three cents from last week. Calls in Ontario averaged 61 cents, up two cents from the prior week, and 61 cents in Quebec, moving up two cents as well. Good Bob calves between 90 and 120 pounds at Atlantic Stockyard sold for $151, up $19, while calves in Ontario were up 10 cents to a price of $1.35 per pound. Calves in Quebec were $1.16, an increase of 10 cents per pound. Base price for lambs at Northumberland Brookside Abattoir is $12.60 per kilogram and mutton is $6 per kilogram. 50 to 64 pound lambs at Atlantic Stockyards average $3.33 per pound at 56 pounds, ranging from $3 to $3.65. In Ontario, 50 to 64 pound lambs average $4.22 at 59 pounds, ranging from $3.50 to $4.62 a pound. For 65 to 79 pound lambs at Atlantic Stockyards, they averaged $3.78 per pound at 74 pounds, ranging from $3.70 to $3.85. In Ontario, 65 to 79 pound lambs averaged $3.81 per pound at 74 pounds, ranging from $3 to $4.17 and a half. Use at Atlantic Stockyards range from $220 to $300, averaging $249. And Ontario use Averaged $2.12 at 159 pounds and ranged from $1.35 to $3.10. Make sure you check the association websites for weekly pricing information. Kind of the worst or next case scenario is you've got that lamb that's 37 degrees, less than 37 degrees body temperature. It's over five years old and it won't suck your finger. You know that you're not going to be able to successfully stomach tube this lamb because the milk's not going to stay in its stomach. These are lambs, as I said earlier, that they invariably cannot stand. If you don't uh, reverse the hypoglycemia before you warm them and uh, and get milk into them after they're warmed, then you're, you're not going to have a successful outcome. And this is where you need to do an interperitoneal injection. I'd encourage you to, to talk to your neighbors and see if anybody knows how to do it, or even talk to your veterinarian and get them to show you how to do it. This is a, you know kind of a last ditch effort. You're gonna basically inject warm glucose solution at body temperature into the gut of the animal. It's very impressive when it works. It's, it's one of those situations where if you don't do it, you're gonna lose the lamb and it's hard to do the first time. I've thought about this a little bit, and every once in a while, you're, everybody who lambs is going to lose a lamb at lambing time. And uh, I've, I think that, you know, those lambs can be a valuable teaching tool for producers and an opportunity to, to try things like stomach tubing. 
and also do interperitoneal injections. So if you do have a you know a lamb that you that dies, uh, you know a, one that's a couple of days old, and uh, you have the time because obviously sometimes at lambing time it's really busy and you don't have the time to to experiment. I'd encourage you to to try stomach tubing these dead lambs and and actually maybe even try an interperitoneal injection. So we've got we've got a lamb that's 37 less than 37 degrees Celsius and it's over five hours old and it has no sucking reflex. You know we know we're going to have to uh, to take a, a more aggressive action with it. So we've uh, injected it into the into the stomach or interperitoneal with. A 20% dextrose solution at 10 milligrams per kilogram of body weight. You're going to put that lamb once you've done the interperitoneal injection into a warming box until its body temperature or rectal temperature is up to 37 degrees. And then once it's you know starting to exhibit some form of sucking reflex, you can uh, stomach tube it with 50 mils per kilogram of, of colostrum or, or artificial milk. Then you go through the same process that we've done with all of the others that you feed them 200 mils per kilogram of milk over the first 24 hours and kind of watch them through that that whole recovery process and make sure that they get off to a or get back into the, the lamb population. Yeah, I think it's very unlikely that you're going to get these these lambs that are you've done an interperitoneal injection back to their mother because the more you intervene with them, the more they bond to humans and the less likely they are to figure out how to suck the you. So I think these ones are ones that you're definitely going to raise artificially. You've talked about a lot about interperineal injections. What should shepherds need on hand to do this and how do they properly administer the injection? In terms of doing an interperitoneal injection, what do you need to do that? You need a 60 mil syringe and a needle. The needle that uh, is recommended is a 20 gauge, one inch long needle. You want to have a very relatively short needle because obviously you're going into the ab abdominal cavity of the lamb. So you don't want a great big long needle. I mean, you can limit the amount of distance that you put it into the abdominal cavity, but it's a lot easier if you just have the right length needle. So you've got the 60 mil syringe and then you've got that one inch 20 gauge needle. In order to make your solution, you need uh, some dextrose solution, which you can get at a feed store and it comes in 500 mil bottle and it's a uh, 50% dextrose solution if you're, you're buying it. So you have to dilute that to 20% dextrose. And I played with this over the years and tried thinking that, well, you know, 20% is pretty close to 25%. So if I mix the water and the dextrose half and half, I'll have a 25% solution and that'll work. And my experience is that, that you really need the 20% solution. I think that if you don't uh, don't get that right, then it, the osmotic pressure in the, in the solution just doesn't work and the lambs die anyway. So in terms of making your 50% solution, you uh, get a get kettle of water, bring it to a boil, and start by drawing up 20 mils of sterile 50% dextrose solution into the syringe. 
and then you draw up 30 mils of water in the same syringe, and that'll give you your 20% solution of dextrose. And you're going to inject this into the abdominal cavity of the lamb. If you take the lamb by its front feet and hold it so it's hanging down um, in front of you, if you're in a seated position, you're probably going to let it hang between your legs and have its backbone towards your stomach so the ab abdomen of the animal is exposed to you. You're going to kind of find the abdomen, so that's the soft area below the ribs and down towards its legs, and you'll see the umbilical cord. You're holding it by the front feet, so the, the organs internally are tending to fall away to the bottom. You're going to find the, the umbilical cord, and you're going to go an inch towards the outside of the body of the animal and an inch down below. And you're going to inject the needle in at that point and face it towards the left leg if you're right-handed or the right leg if you're left-handed and at a 45-degree angle and then inject the solution into the abdomen of the animal and then withdraw the syringe and put it into your warming box. It sounds really dramatic, but if you practice and you try it a few times, you'll realize that it's not as big a deal as it sounds. And then you're gonna follow that lamb very carefully, as we said earlier, through its uh, warming procedure and, and treat it and get it onto uh, regular milk. You will have to, to uh, stomach tube it when it warms up. And then eventually you can get it sucking either a bottle or an artificial lamb feeding system. So John, if this is all good information and uh, like they say, uh, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. So how do you go about minimizing the amount of intervention you have to do with lambs, especially when it deals with hypothermia? It's a good question and a good point, Brad. We've spent a, a few minutes over the last a little while talking about preventing hypothermia or curing hypothermia and hypoglycemia. But really, you know, as you said, prevention is the best cure. And, uh, you know, you can eliminate a lot of these problems by making sure you do a good job with the nutrition of your ewes through their gestation, uh, making sure that you're ready for lambing. And we talked about that in a previous podcast. And then really, you know, the, the, the critical one is making sure you have a good lambing environment. And, and making sure it's clean and dry and, and bedding. And I quickly mentioned straw as being a, kind of a cheap uh, kind of uh, vaccine or cure for a lot of the lamb, lambing problems. Um, regardless of whether you're in a barn or lambing outside, and there's still, there are people that lamb outside on grass, you need to be aware of the weather conditions. The ewes are pretty good at telling the weather themselves. And when you get some experience, you realize that you know, they're for some, they must be able to, to sense barometric pressure. And uh, typically during a big storm, you won't have a lot of lambs, but you will have a, a bunch of lambs come before and after a storm. Weather is, even with a barn, it's important to remember what the weather is because, you know, if you get rain, you get high humidity. So your barn tends to be damper, but more importantly, you know, in the winter time, if it goes to minus 30, and you're in the middle of lambing, you probably want to, you know, make an effort to spend a little more time in the barn and, and keep an eye on the ewes. 
watching what's going on with the ewes and and you know picking up on those ewes that are having a hard time lambing going to save you a lot of problems later on and really you know knowing when to to intervene and assisting those ewes when it's necessary really is a skill that you'll develop with time but uh when you need to to help out it's important that you're there to uh, to do that and then uh, understanding the the process of reversing hypothermia and uh, i'm sure this podcast has been confusing to to just listen to but there are uh, tables and protocols that will help you work through that process and and we have them available uh, and we can get one to you if you if you're interested in seeing the kind of the protocol and the procedure to follow. So you do all of those things. I'm sure you're going to have a very successful lambing and and uh, everything is going to go well. But uh, you know, nobody ever has a hundred percent perfect lambing. So you kind of have to learn from the experience and and develop the skills as as you grow as a shepherd. And my own personal experience, and I think if you talk to any experienced shepherd or livestock person, is that you learn learn every time there's something new comes along and, and you figure out how to deal with those issues. And I can't can't stress enough that you know that your veterinarian is is a super resource and can be a great help. And paying their bill is is kind of an investment in your own knowledge and experience as well as helping serve your solve the problem that you call them for. So I wish you luck in, in your lambing endeavors. And, you know, if you need help, there's people out there that can help you. Well, Jonathan, as always, a very informative, great discussion with you. And uh, I'm sure we'll have you on again to talk about uh, some other topics for both cattle and It's my pleasure, Brad. It's always great to talk to you also. And I thoroughly enjoy the opportunity to, to interact with, with producers at any time. So thank you. Thanks very much. Don't want to miss any future episodes? Subscribe to a Maritime Acast today through Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your other favorite podcast platform. This concludes another episode of Maritime Agcast. We would like to thank our producer, the Agri-Commodity Management Association, Director Ashley, as well as Matt Whitehour and Micah Dahl-Anderson of archesaudio.com for providing the music you heard during this episode. Until next time, happy farming and keep feeding the Maritimes. <laughs>